are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Tonight, I want to speak to you from the Word of God regarding the sin of Sodom. The sin of Sodom. I think immediately you're going to mention that you're going to think that I'm going to speak about the sin of man burning in his lust, Romans 1, toward men, and a woman burning in her lust toward woman. And that's not where I'm going tonight. But that is obviously a sin. God's Word says it. Now, I know the news media doesn't believe it's sin, but we don't measure ourselves by the news media. We measure ourselves by the Word of God. And the destruction it's going to bring to lives, those are in that activity of life, and to the children and others in life, the great damage and the damage it will do to the home down the road as we see our homes eroding all around America. But you know, if we're not careful, it's easy to hear preaching about the next guy's sin because we don't have that sin in our lives. So praise God. It's sort of like when you preach about America. America, back to God. Everybody's happy. But really, I don't know if we should be preaching about America come to God. It's God's people that need to get right with God. And tonight, the sin of Sodom is found here in Ezekiel. Ezekiel just constantly, if you would like to take a journey this week on how many times in every chapter opens up the first or second word, uh, the Richards, I see you here tonight. We're glad to have you back home from Arizona. But uh, how they said, the word of the Lord came unto me saying, it's just all over the book of Ezekiel. And Ezekiel was given many strange things to do. He was to eat a roll, a book. And God told him to eat it and he ate it. God says, you lay on this side of your, your right side about over 300 some days and he did it. God says you eat honey and eat everything God told him to do. And it was weird. Well, that's, that's, that's forgive me for saying that sounds sacrilegious. It was odd the things that God was telling him to do. Brother Bertram said very strange. But, but God said to do it and every time he did it. You know, it's sort of a strange thing to tithe. How in the world can you make it and tithe? But that's what God said, so we do it. It's, it's maybe when we stop and think of it, because very few churches in America pre-COVID day are open on Sunday night, Wednesday night. It's just a thing of the past. But we go to Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and so much more, and it seems strange to the world, but we're loving it. I mean, tents on a winter night are filled, cars, people in the cars, and we're in the house of God, and I'm, I'm so thankful. Our sin tonight is so prevalent in our own lives. I think one thing COVID has taught me is to look at my life. And I pray constantly every day, Lord, I'm so, so feeble, I'm so weak. I don't want to be weak. I want to be a godly, strong Christian. Quit you like men, be strong. But God, through the Holy Spirit and his word, is showing me, and through prayer, how feeble we are as Christians. Oh, wretched man that I am. And I think 
perhaps, I believe this is correct theology, the closer you get to God, the more imperfection you see in your own life. And he's revealing those to me. I'd like to be able to say I love him better every D-A-Y. I love him better. I, I want to love Christ better today than I did last year. Ezekiel's dealing with the people, and particularly this chapter, chapter 16, he is so direct with Jerusalem because he kept talking about their abominations, their idolatry, their fornication with other gods and other, uh, other people, and he deals very dis distinctly with them. And God says in chapter number 16, and let's stand together, shall we? And let's, uh, let's, let me read verse 48 and 49 and 50 tonight, if you'll follow along. Isaiah, Ezekiel 16, as I live, saith the Lord God, Sodom hath a sister that hath not done, has not done, she nor her daughters as thou hast done. You see, God said, don't, don't worry about Sodom. I'm talking to you. You think Sodom's so bad, but I want to talk to you about you. And then God's going to tell us what was the sin of Sodom? And isn't it amazing, he doesn't say it was sodomy or homosexuality, though that was a sin. Here's the sin he said. Behold, this was thy iniquity of thy sister, Sodom. Pride. Sodom's sin was what together, church? Say it together. Pride. Third, secondly, three words, ready? Fullness of bread. And three words, abundance of idleness was in her. And her daughters, neither did she strengthen the hand of the, here it is, three words, poor and needy. They were haughty and committed abomination before me. Therefore, I took them away as I saw good. America's not having a problem with politics tonight. America doesn't have a problem who's the president. That's not our issue. We have many of us lived through presidents that were very corrupt and very ungodly. America's problem is the New Testament local church. It's God's people, which are called by his name. And God says, I want you to humble yourself. I don't want pride. God resisteth the proud. Tonight I'm calling us to examine the sin of Sodom in our own lives. Father, I love these people. I'm so very grateful for this great privilege to stand before them and open up the word of God and speak to them from your word. I thank you that this is your word, not mine. I thank you that you've outlined this scripture for us. And I pray that, God, it would fall on ears that are open and hearts that are soft. May we not resist the word of God as we see the sin of Sodom. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Tonight we see Sodom's sin was self-worth. I'm so important. I'm number one. God, your second command, if I get in a jam, I may call on you, but I probably don't need you. I can do very well without you. That's why I don't pray. Why pray? Oh, I do pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the day. Thank you for the food. Blessed to my body. In Jesus' name, amen. That's my prayer life. 
God, keep my wife safe, keep my husband safe, keep our family safe, uh, give us a good day, we pray, amen. Well, I guess that's a prayer, I'm not sure. But pride says, I don't have to pray. I don't have to depend on God. I don't have to call out to God. I don't have to keep short of set counts of sin. I don't have to confess my sins. I don't have to get right with God. I don't have to ever walk an altar. I don't ever have to bow a knee. I don't ever have to say to a mate or children or parent, I am so sorry, I have sinned, I have done wrong. We are so arrogant, so self-worth. We, we, we are, we, it's all about me. I'm okay. That's what Adam and Eve's problem was. Adam and Eve had a beautiful place, beautiful surrounding, everything was good, made in the image of God, and they said, we want more. And they took more that God says you cannot have. Notice what the Bible says, behold this side iniquity of thy sister Sodom, pride, self-worth. Every sin is rooted in pride. I can do this, I deserve this, I need this. It's right for me, it makes me feel good. I'm okay, this is what I have to have. And pride will always destroy a life. These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination, a proud look. God resisted the proud. God hates it when our lives are full of pride. Self-worth, I'm important, I'm the best, I'm the most important. Uh, if, you, if it feels good, do it. Do what you wanna do. Go ahead and walk out of those lives of those kids. Just, just go ahead and abandon your kids. Go ahead and abandon your wife. Go ahead and abandon your husband. Go ahead and abandon the house of God. Go ahead and get out of God's house. Go ahead and say no to God. Friend, that is all rooted in pride. I'm in the youth group. I don't care what the youth pastor preaches. I don't care what he believes. I don't care what he's trying to train, train me. I'm gonna do what I wanna do. No, in the Christian school, I'm not gonna do my homework. I don't wanna do my homework. I don't like doing my homework. I'll do it haphazardly. All of that is pride. When we go to bed at night, the sun should never rest on our wrath. Let not the sun go down on that wrath. The sin of Sodom was the sin of pride. I call it self-worth. I'm important. The second sin was self-sufficiency. Self-worth, pride, self-sufficiency. Do you see it there in verse 49? Sodom was a place that was full of pride. Secondly, fullness of bread. Self-sufficient. We're successful. America's a great country. We are so successful. The, the poorest of countries. If you take the poorest and they came and lived here, they would live like kings if they were living even as homeless people. You know, you stop and think about this in America. And I wanna be very cautious how I say this. But you realize that if you're homeless and you have no food, the churches used to take care of you, but now the government will give you money. They'll give you a card that you can go to the grocery store and swipe that card and you can get all the foods you want. Do you know, in addition to the government giving you food, when I was a checker in a grocery store in 1967, they had food stamps, but now they have like it's a credit card. And you can use that card for food. It, that's in America, like no other country. Do you know that in our country, in addition to that food, we have food banks and nonprofit organizations all over collect the food. I was in a store a few weeks ago and I saw them taken off by the shopping car loads, all, loads, all the, the food off the shelves. It, it was gonna expire the next day apparently. 
It was still good for several days, but they could not sell it after that date. All that was going to a food bank. Do you know there's no reason to go hungry in America? I know the news tells us every time that people are just starving to death in America, but I don't know why they're starving to death. Do you know that in America, in America, you don't have to have health insurance. Tonight, if you're on the streets of our city and you fall down and you have a heart attack, an ambulance will come. And by the way, if you don't want to pay the bill, you don't have to pay the bill. And they'll take you to that hospital. I know the hospital will take you to. And it's a beautiful hospital. One of the best hospitals in this entire county. And it's a beautiful hospital, near, not by, far, far from here. And whatever your surgery is, they'll need it. And when you get done with the surgery, you can leave the hospital a day, a week, a month later. You don't even have to pay a bill. That's America. What a country we live in. Stop telling me how bad this country is. You know, you can have, I don't like it, but you can have free education in America. It's free indoctrination, but you can have it. You can go to school and not pay a dime because people that have jobs pay taxes so that you can go to school for free. Don't, don't lose me now. You're, if you think you're ticked off now, it's gonna get worse. You can live in San Francisco, California, and the county or the city and the government will give you needles if you need to have needles for your drugs. They will bring drugs to your house. They will bring it to a hotel where you're living and we're paying for it and they'll bring you drugs and they'll bring you not only prescription drugs, but illegal drugs and they'll bring you liquor and they'll bring you cigarettes and they'll bring you needles. What a country we live in. You talk about fullness, we've got it all. Even if you don't even work, you're gonna live like a king. Every person, if they want, can find a job. If you want to find a job, you can find a job. I don't buy into this, you can't find a job. A few months ago, I was over here driving by that In-N-Out burger. I saw the sign, it said $18 an hour. You say, well, why? My goodness, $18 an hour. Let's see, that would be... Uh, $720 a week, I think. Can't live on 720. Well, why would you only work 40 hours? There's 116 hours in a week. That means you still got 128 hours left to yourself. You ever think about working two jobs? 40, 40? Your grandpa did. Great-grandfathers did. They got on the farm early in the morning. They milked the chickens at 4.30, 4 o'clock. You milk chickens? They weren't paid for holidays. They weren't paid for vacation time. They worked that farm 365 days a year. Now they took care of the cattle and the livestock. They went out to the fields and they worked all day and then the sun would set and most of the time they'd have a light on the tractor, they're still working. We're working 40 hours a week. If a man wanted to work 80 hours a week at In-N-Out Burger, he could be making over $1,500, $1,600 a week. I'm talking about this sin. They had abundance, they had a, a, a fullness of bread. Tell me how, I've, never, I've not been in a mall in years. But I was driving by a huge mall the other day. I want to say it was on a Saturday. Of course, it didn't stop, and I'm not against it. It just did not stop. 
But you realize that what I saw was the parking lots filled? That means people, people were in there shopping. I'm not saying they cannot shop. I am saying this. It seems like we have fullness of bread. I don't know how many here today had to miss breakfast or lunch or dinner because you did not have food, but I doubt if any of us had to miss it. I imagine today, and I'm not against it, that many folks went to a coffee shop and got a cup of coffee, and thank God you can do that. I'm just talking about, we're, we're in pretty good shape here in America. We're doing pretty well, we're doing real well. They've had fullness of bread. I talk about that as being self-sufficient. I think of self-worth and self-sufficient, but I look at the third, it's self-satisfaction. They had, the Bible says, abundance of idleness, slothfulness, this along with what I've been speaking about for the last few moments. We, we live in a day of idleness. We, we live in a day when COVID's not been good for us in this regard, a, a, a schedule that is not a disciplined schedule. We need a disciplined schedule. And I know that your companies, many of them are not open, and especially the computer companies, they're all shut down. And I know you're working for home, and it's, it has to be, God bless you, dear wives. It'd have to be terrible having your husband around the house all the time. It'd be awful, I would think, for you dear wives. Can I get a, a horn honk on that? Thank you, ladies. God bless you. I was telling one of our good men the other day, yesterday, I, I was going to go look for a bell for him yesterday. I just ran out of time. I said, because he's working at home with his computer company. And um, I said, what you need is a bell so you can ring it so your little sweet little wife here, and she was smiling, I, I, she can come and say, yes, dear, what do you want? I want a cup of coffee, please. Then you can ring it 15 minutes later. How about a piece of toast if you'll go dingling? Boy, wouldn't that be great? How would that go over, Brother Bertram? Oh, boy. I told the story. I think I told you here. I told somebody. I said, uh, COVID started. I gave, came home that first or second day, and Miss Trevor said at the end of the day, she said, did you eat breakfast? I said, no, I, I didn't eat breakfast today. I didn't have time. And she said, what did you eat for lunch? I said, I, I, I really didn't remember. I just I didn't eat lunch today. He says, well, honey, don't, don't, don't do that. We live only four blocks away. Come home. I'll make you a sandwich. I'll make you a lunch. The next day I came home. She said, what are you doing here? That's been almost 365 days ago. I haven't gone home yet. And I'm not going home tonight after that illustration. The truth is she really cares for me. And she takes care of me. I, but it's too good. A, you know, Sometimes you notice I get away from the pulpit. That's when I'm not telling the truth. But it preaches well. But Gavin Newsom t-shirt I told you about on non-essential, that, that is a true story right there. Take that to the bank. She does wear that one. I'm talking about self-satisfaction. You know, we live in a day that, that we're bored. COVID's been bad. We can't go play. We, we want to do more play. They, they can't make video games fast enough. About 12 or 15 years ago, a man in our church who was in venture capital, he said, 
Pastor, I, I, I've never invested in the stock. I don't know how to do that, stock market. But, but he said, invest in the stock market. I said, where? I, I didn't have any money to do it anyway, so I didn't do it. But he said, invest in video games. Video companies, that's what he said. Video games are coming. And I said, you mean parents would buy that many video games? He said, they're not for the parents, they're for the kids, they're for the parents. And it's wild what's become of our nation, how we have given ourselves over to video games. Someone told me of an article that just in a few years, because there's apparently virtual games going on TV that you're all, or internet, however that all is, they all work together. They said it's gonna exceed the Super Bowl. I'm talking about we live in a play society. We, we live in how can I get out of work? How can I not do work? How can I play? You read about these men in the Bible, they were courageous workers. You read about the Proverbs 31 woman, she seeketh a field, buyeth it with her hand. She, she's a worker. Thank God for Christian women. Thank God for Christian men. But don't please buy into this that we have to have just a life of play and party and fun. There's a life of work. God established in a man's life. If a man will not work, he should not eat. America will self-destruct when we have abundance of pleasure and abundance of food and we no longer have to work for it. It's handed to us. It's so fulfilling when we work. I love World War II to read about it. I've been reading the speeches of Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill became the prime minister. And as he became the prime minister in England, it was at a point when World War I began in 1939. And on June the 18th, 1940, he began to try to rally the people of England because of the huge discouragement. And Churchill was known for the great speeches that he would deliver and giving hope to the people. He had some where he said, England can become great again. I like that one right there. Make England great again. He was speaking about the Axis powers and the Allied powers, and you know all the different countries, the Axis and the Allied powers. He was talking to them, and I read for you today, as he, on June the 18th, 1940, said these words, I have in myself full confidence, as he spoke before Parliament and before the people, that if we all do our duty, if nothing is neglected, if the best arrangements are made, we shall prove ourselves once again to be able to defend our island home, to ride out this storm of war, to outlive the menace of ty tyranny, and if necessary for years, by the way, he had five more years to go with the war. Millions of more deaths. He said the French Empire and the British Empire will defend to death their native soil, aiding each other like good comrades to the utmost of their strength. Even though large tracts of Europe and many old famous states have fallen into the grip of the Gestapo and Nazi rule, we shall not fail. We will go on to the end. 
We shall fight in France. We shall fight in the seas. We shall fight in the oceans. We shall fight with confidence. We shall fight in the air. We shall defend our island, whatever the cost. We will fight on the beaches. We will fight in the landings. We will fight in the fields. We will fight in the streets. We will fight in the hills. And we, we, we shall never surrender. Until the, God, until the good time of God's grace and we liberate the world, we will not retreat. What a powerful message he gave. That same day he gave another one. That message was a result of Mr. Mussolini and Mr. Hitler. They were now winning he said, Hitler and Mussolini have crashed down or will begin to crash down upon Britain. The world will see our resistance. He said, Europe was in retreat. Holland was taken. Holland was taken and Luxembourg was taken and Belgium had fallen. The French government had fled Paris. And now Adolf Hitler had his eyes on our beloved Britain. the nation began to squabble about the management of the war. They looked at the past and they looked at the present, but Britain failed to look to the future. And this was the address that he came. He came and said, we cannot look back. We cannot look around. We must look forward and press on. With slow growth, we shall overcome. We must not think of the past without looking to the future. I'm quite sure, he said, that if we had an open quarrel with the past and the present, we will find that we have lost the future. There remains a course of dangers ahead of us. There will be bombing attacks, and they bombed London. You remember and you recall the pictures of how London was just destroyed over the next five years. They will bomb us. The German, German fighting power is superior to our power, he told the troops. We have a large bomber force, but they're superior. We will strike their enemy targets in Germany. I ask yourself this question, and he goes on to talk about several things. But as he pled with the people that day, he said, if Hitler can bring under his control the factories of the countries that he is now already in control of, they will conquer us. On the other hand, this cannot happen immediately. He said, we have continuing support coming. I love this. We have, as of today, continuing support coming from the United States of America. America is sending us munitions. They are sending us, and he calls it aeroplanes, pilots, and they're coming across the ocean to help us by sea and by land, and by sea and by air. During the first four years, we have experienced great disaster and disappointment. But he said, we want you to know that we will overcome. I have more I'd like to read about this, but I want you to know that, that that article began with two men. 
They were crushing the world. Mussolini. The Italian Mussolini, a fascist, a God-hater, a socialist who hated America and hated freedom and Adolf Hitler with the Nazi party. And those two, with their Axis power, they began to invade the world and were winning in 1940 when Churchill tried to stir Britain and the other countries that were allied forces to the win this battle. And it looked so bleak. And he said, they do have a superior air power than we do. But we must not ever give up. We need to look to the future, not the past or whatever mistakes we've made with this war and not the present where we found ourselves. But really what he's saying, we must press on. Hitler, the day he made that speech seemed so powerful, so dominant. Hitler, it was nothing to him to take a gun and just kill people. Hitler exterminated, killed six million Jews over the next five years because he hated Jews. If you were a twin, he'd kill you. If you were old, he'd kill you. If you had any physical deformity or infirmity, he'd kill you. He slaughtered millions of people. He's getting away with it. Mussolini was doing the same thing with his fascism. Wicked, godless. But in 1945, April the 28th, Hitler and his mistress were in a bunker hiding just much like Saddam Hussein but instead of in a hole like Saddam was saying, in the bunker underneath the ground, it had couches and it had a beautiful study and a library for himself. Hitler realized that the war had turned. Churchill was right. We have to look to the future. We cannot give up. We must not quit. And tonight I say, regardless of whatever's happened to the economy in the last year and whatever happened as a result of COVID, COVID is not the end of this thing. This thing shall pass. There will be a day there's no more masks. I promise you that. You say, well, it's not possible. We've got to get rid of this guy and this lady and this person. No, we've got to get God back in this thing. God is able to win the victory. God is stronger than Hitler and God proved to be stronger than Mussolini. That night on April 28th, 1945, Hitler's in his bunker with his mistress. He took a gun and said, it's hopeless. The war has turned. We will not prevail. We will lose and be killed. He took a gun and he shot himself in the face, blew out the side of his brain and there he lay on that couch bleeding to death. His mistress took cyanide and drank it and was found there. Both lives were perished. Two days later, two days later, April the 30th, 1945, two days later, Mussolini and his wife were in hiding. His, not wife, it was his girlfriend. And Mussolini realized what was going to happen. 
And they charged him, they shot him, they shot her, they killed them both. And then they strung them up by their ankles and put them in the town square and let their bodies hang for the world to see that both of them died. I want to say Mussolini and Hitler died two days apart. But five years before that, there was a bald-headed little man by the name of Winston Churchill, and he pled with them, we must not give up. We must fight in the beaches. We must fight in the hills. We must fight in the valleys. We need to keep moving forward, and we will be victorious. I promise you. I preach, well, the Lord's coming back and it's end times and all these things. By the way, they thought the Lord was coming back too. I promise you there will be an end to COVID. I promise you there will be an end to this and an end to that. I promise you that the word of God is still not bound. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the work of Jesus Christ. I find in Sodom, they were self-worth, their pride, self-sufficient, their success. They had everything they wanted. They were self-satisfied. They, uh, they had fullness of everything. I close tonight. And I want you to see in that verse. Notice what the Bible says in verse 49. Behold, this is the iniquity. Sodom is filled with pride, fullness of bread, abundance and idleness. I like to just play Goof off. May may not be a goof off society. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. I find that self-indulgence. I'm going to take care of me. I don't care about those poor people. I said earlier, there's no reason to have to be poor in America, and I believe that. But the Bible says also, the poor ye shall always have with you. God's word in Isaiah, Psalm 41, 1 says, blessed is he that considereth the poor. There will always be poor people. God identifies them as the fatherless. There are children that have been abandoned by a father and mother struggling to feed them and care for them and help them and clothe them. You know, there are those that are abandoned by fathers and those that have had the sorrow of the departure of a mother. There are mothers and fathers that are sitting in jail cells and prisons around this country. And grandparents are raising a child. And it's very, very difficult financially. There are people that have had financial reversal. There are people that have no longer have the ability to work. They've lost their health and some are young. And they struggle through life. There are those that are called orphans. Those are, there are those that the Bible calls widows and widowers. There are senior saints. There are people with great health issues. And tonight, God's word entitles them needy and poor. And as we leave out this week, though I have no ambition to give food to a man that will not work, that hurts him more than helps him. That takes away the self-independence of a man, the self-worth of a man. A man finds accomplishment in work. Thank you. I've been waiting for that. Men must work. But there are those that cannot work. We need to look for those opportunities. This week, deeds of kindness. If I can help, 
Somebody as I travel on. If I can help somebody with a word or song. I wonder, dear lady, could you make a meal for somebody that's poor and needy this week? And I know we can... I'm looking at the word DoorDash. Is that what it's called? DoorDash? And thank you for that. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. And I know we can send a pizza to somebody's house and God bless you. And I know perhaps we need to be very careful with COVID of making things. I understand that. But I would like to ask you, when was the last time you did make a meal for a needy person, a poor person, a widow, a lady that struggles? And when was the last time that you took something to that person? But we're so full of our own life. We're so excited about our play and our party and our trips and our travel and our doing this and our doing that. I grew up in a generation where men did not do a lot of that. Our men were not always flying around and going visiting this and visiting that and playing here and playing there. I think some of you, God has given you the gift and it is a gift in the New Testament, the gift of giving, the gift of earning money. You can do so much for the cause of Christ, but you have to work every day. And you cannot find opportunities to play all the time. One of the great things this school, this Christian school of ours has taught our young people, our kids grow up here, and if they listen, and 99.9% .9 of them, I think, do listen, they have learned how to work, and they have learned how to get a job, and to work that job, and to be successful, and not depend on the government. But at the same time, we need to find opportunities to help people on the pathway of life. The sin of Sodom, it's fourfold. It all deals with self. I'm going to beg you tonight to make a decision for God and say, I am not going to live my life that way. I refuse to live my life for myself. I refuse to live all for me. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.